Mark it on your calendars, August 12th, Saturday. Soccer Saturdays are back, which means Nate Santos's weekends are booked from this point forward for the next 10 months. Guys, the leagues are back. And on today's episode of the Jersey Wall podcast, we're going to take you through the biggest stories from the Premier League's first match week. We hope you enjoy. can't believe how much footy i watch on saturdays like i forgot throughout the summer because i pretty much took a vacation from watching footy throughout the summer and now i'm just fully back into it between let's go through it friday saturday you do what like Sunday, eight, and today. 8 to 4 p.m probably right oh if not more and that's just that's when i can watch mls games and it goes even even later but let's see one game friday i watched arsenal then i watched the brighton game then i watched the newcastle game then I watched the Bayern, PSG, and Madrid game. So I watched seven games. Sorry, six on Saturday, but seven up to Saturday afternoon. Then I watched Barca yesterday, as well as Spurs and the Chelsea thing game. And then United today. So I watched 11 games this weekend. <laughs> I'm back to it, bro. And I love it. And everybody, sorry, I lost track of count there, but realize we're in it now. Guys, welcome to episode number 206 of the Jersey Wall Podcast. As always, I'm your host. Mr. Nathan Santos with me. I have Mina. And next week, Joe's returning. So it's, it's uh, the duo for the last time for a little while because I'm excited yeah. to get Joe back and react to all the stuff we've been talking, including the mad shit we've been talking about his club. Brethren, how's it going? Good. We are here from you. Done, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's a callback to an inside joke, but you know. It really is. Guys, do yourself a favor. You done, I don't know that dude's Instagram account. Oh, name. I'll, I'll find it because it's so entertaining. But it's basically at Hood Science, and it's this dude I who's think just so. London guy who is incredible at chemistry. And to be honest, I learned more from watching these videos than I ever did in any high school chemistry or, or science class or otherwise. Me too, uh, bro. Did you? Let's everybody know. Man, man didn't know that man knows was a sugar. <laughs> no, me neither, bro. But yeah. now man knows man knows is a sugar. But now man knows it's a sugar, bro. It's, it's crazy. This it's dude's big dot hurt. money one. That's the guy. Big Dom, anyone. This guy's absolutely hilarious. Everybody goes, not Hello. no sponsorship, no nothing included, yeah. but no affiliation. On the note of good content, that's where everybody should be directing their attention outside of the weekends, because on the weekends, they're reserved for footy. Brethren, I watched 11 games this weekend. I want to talk to you about most of them, even though I know you probably didn't watch all of those games. Bro, I watched like two or three games. <laughs> Let's start on the Friday and we'll push through it throughout the weekend, because to be honest, we had everything this weekend. We had favorites dominate we had exciting games we didn't know what to expect from certain teams we had lackluster performances we had over overachieving performances we had a massive transfer news break we had so many things happen and i want to go through everything in the last basically 96 hours so let's go through it first and foremost man city were scheduled to take on burnley on friday in the first game of the premier league season and of course City are going to beat Burnley. But it was interesting to see Vincent Kompany in the Premier League now because he's no longer wearing the tracksuit. He yeah. pulled up in a blazer. And I couldn't believe it because this is not what I thought he was going to do. I remember when Mauricio Pochettino was managing Southampton and he would always pull up in the tracksuit, okay? And when he got hired at Spurs, he started wearing suits. And I was watching with my dad and my dad went, oh, you got a little money now, did you? <laughs> you got some money, now you got to turn up professionally for your job. And I think that's what happened with Kompany because he's like, I got to put on the suit, don't I? 
I don't, I don't like think... it, man. I don't like it when when managers change it up. Just do what do what's been working for you. I was just gonna say, I don't think that suit Vincent Kofody stays there for very long. I think we're gonna get track suit Vincent Kofody very, very soon to remind you the players. Because he was returning to the Atihad. He wasn't. It was at Turf Moor. Oh, it was at Turf Moor. Yeah, it was at Turf crazy. Moor. I think. I think it was just like okay, the, the, the lights Pat are bright. This is the first one. I got to dress up for the profession. It's my old boss. I think it was a lot of that, uh, and. uh I think there's on the pitch a lot to like about how Burnley play football, but Man City are a different animal. I think the story, as always, when City play tends to be Erling Holland scores goals. But it's funny that we get this little misdirect at the Community Shield for the past couple of years, don't we? It's like, oh, bro, I don't know what they're going to do with Holland. Even last week we were talking about it. Yeah, even last week we were talking about it. Like, you know, if you look at Holland's last 10 games here, he hasn't scored that many goals. And Holland just pulls up two goals in the first half his to come off because he wanted to get his hat trick but they were great goals too right we're i'm watching it with with alex shout out alex and we're just talking to each other and and with his girlfriend about you know what he's doing and what he's not doing and all these things and he gets the ball done and then the second goal it's the same thing it's like it seems easy it seems like all he's doing is scoring but again we talk about this a lot on the show that is taken for granted at every level for everybody. When you have a guy who's able to score goals and do nothing more, he's doing well more than he's expected to do because bro puts the ball in the back of the net and that's the hardest thing to do in this league, in this sport altogether. Brother, yeah. Erling Holland is back in the Premier League. What do you think? I've been watching a lot of uh, a lot of ex-defenders like PK, Rio. Uh, I've heard you know some of the other English defenders and stuff talk about it, about how they would tackle, no pun intended, the idea of playing and facing uh, Erling Holland, and and I actually like the inside. It's like you can't really do much when when someone is that hot. Like you remember when the Fernando Torres at Liverpool or Suarez or whatever, oh, yeah. they that's what they compared it to. It's like when someone is that hot, you have to do as a team everything that you can for ninety minutes to limit that guy's strengths. And for Holland, that's getting in the box. So you you have to as a team hand off between the two center backs, mm-hmm. the the fullbacks, and the and the defense the, the like defensive midfielders. You have to limit him from getting inside the box. And if he is inside the box, you either put numbers around him so that it like you have a chance to get the ball before he does, or you try to, you know, push him a little bit farther outside. And most likely you're gonna you're gonna go to sleep in one second and he's gonna score. But the problem that you face with City, which is the problem that people used to face with United, because now you look at that was the dynasty back then when Rio was playing, and that's what he compared it to. And now it's the dynasty of City. It's like people used to try to do that with Ronaldo all the time. People used to try to do that with Wayne Rooney all the time. The team would spend basically an entire week trying to talk about how they're going to stop that player. And then he just scores because that team has so many more threats coming around that you can't really just think about it as let's stop Erling Holland because if you do, someone else is going to come in and score. So it, well, that's, that's, that's it. the problem a lot of all the players are facing and all the teams are facing. It's the threats are coming in from everywhere. If you do manage to stop Holland, it's likely that someone else is going to come in and put the ball in the back of the net. Bro, I wish Holland was as good or as imposing as those other players that you mentioned across a 90 minute span. The thing is for Holland is it's very, very hard to stop him because if you to limit Holland from getting in the box means what? having your team not be in the box because Holland's not the outlet player at Man City. Exactly. Holland's the peak of the system, which yep. means the whole point is getting Holland the ball in the box. If you are not going to line up in your own box, meaning you're playing further up the pitch, what are you allowing Erling Holland to do? You. Run yeah. into space. That's even more dangerous than Holland lurking in the yep. box because at least he has to wait for service in the box. If you're going into a position where you're stepping up the pitch and you're going to try to beat Holland on a one-on-one when both of you are running towards the goal, yeah. 
I'm telling you, you will lose that battle every time. Whereas sometimes, at least in the box, if you cloud, if you put uh, enough bodies around Holland, maybe you ice them out. The thing is, as you mentioned, what that means is that you have other threats for Man City who can put the ball in. And that's how City operate, bro. Think about like, Liverpool a, a couple bitch. of years ago when, when Salah was just on fire and Mane was just on fire. Mm-hmm. There was nothing you could do. You could maybe show him around the outside, but if, he's going to cut back three or four times if you're Watford, sit everyone down, and then he's still going to score. Mane's going to do the same thing on the other end. Sometimes players are just on form, and it, like it's like a burning white-hot star. You can't do anything about it. You just have to let them get through this purple patch, if it is a purple patch, and try to do as best as you can as as an 11 men to to limit their skills. If it's aerial, then you try to limit their aerial battles, but you have to pray that that they lose focus at some point and you're not the one who's losing focus. I think it's really interesting how Pep is keeping Holland hungry because I think if you're Holland, it's probably easy. Like I, I get we will you know say he's an elite player with an elite mentality, and that's true to some degree. But I think the way that Pep is keeping him hungry is by limiting how Pissing much he can off. play. Which I think it does that. I think it not only pisses him off, but it forces him to try to give more in that time span. But the other thing is Pep doesn't want him to break all these records right away because then what's he going to go for? He's going to chase his own records and that's harder to do, right? Like even Pep, when he when he had five goals against Leipzig in the Champions League last year, you know, he was he could have easily scored a six if he, he was left on for another out. 20 minutes. Pep said, no, I'm not, I'm not leaving. Part of that maybe to protect Messi. The other was to say, if Erling Holland at 21, 22 years old has a double hat-trick in the Champions League, where does he go from here? Yep. There's nowhere to go. I want him to chase the double hat trick now, right? And I think that's interesting on how Pep approaches it, where, why Holland usually only plays 60-odd minutes, because he's going, I don't want him to just play 90 and get hat tricks every game. If he does, he will get bored. And when he gets bored, he will become lackluster, and then we will lose the brilliance of his appetite. Because I'll tell you what, even you know at, at halftime, he was screaming at Bernardo, and then Pep went to go scream at Holland. It's like, don't you scream at Bernardo. Bernardo made the right play. But Holland's like, all the time he wants the ball. He's hungry, he's itching, because I think he knows I have 60 minutes per game to get as many goals as I can, because I'm playing two-thirds of the amount of minutes as everybody else who I'm competing with in this space. So if I can get 36 goals in 60 minutes a game across 38 weeks... Imagine what I can do in 90. And I think he's fighting for that. And I like the way that Pep manages. Plus, I think there's a fitness aspect to it, right? Like this team is expected to play 60 games a season every year. And this is a guy that has historically missed 10, 15 with injury. So there's probably a fitness Mm -hmm. aspect to it. So it's it's win-win for Pep because A, he gets to keep him still on fire because he's pissed off that he's not playing more than 60 minutes and he's not getting his hat tricks. And B, he gets to keep him fit. Yeah. I'd rather have that, to be honest, playing Holland 60 a game, every game, then 90 and scoring and one or two yeah sub. basically that's just it so that's a great point um on the note of load management basically kevin de bruyne started which kevin de bruyne did not anticipate he was like what i i have <laughs> barely played in preseason i'm still nursing this injury and pep's like no i've seen you in training you're good you're gonna play 45 minutes because you got to get back in the rhythm because we need you yeah and after 15 20 odd minutes de bruyne had to be subbed off that seems like a tremendous loss what Pep said afterwards was that this is a more serious injury than I think they had considered because he's like, listen, if you are playing 45, 50, 60 minutes, and then you start to re-aggravate it, it's because you're fatigued. But after 20 minutes, you're still fresh. Why are mm-hmm. you, why is this getting injured when you're, when you're fresh and warm, if we've played four months now? So I think the, is that the injury he came off City, from the Champions League final with? It's the same one he's been nursing, yeah. So I think Pep's yeah. like, all right, if this is more serious than we initially considered, then 
take time kev like don't travel with the squad right recover for the next little while and i want to ask you how that will relate to what city do because city have a pretty deep squad largely people would consider but you have to remember it seems that way but it's stretched across way more games than most teams play right because if city are playing like you mentioned 60 65 games a season when you have to remember because they won the trouble last year they're now going to have the super cup game on wednesday against sevilla right they play in the community shield they're going to play the new champions league format game now which is minimum 10 games doesn't matter and then not club world cup at the end of the season there's a lot of games which actually brings me to the next point i want to come to De Bruyne as well but why city are going for i'm sure you've seen the paqueta links and stuff yeah i think city have to have the most insane depth in the entire world to compete on all these fronts and yeah it seems ridiculous at times you're like really man city needs lucas paqueta and you go well not if they were playing 40 games a season not even if they were playing 50 games a season now that they're playing 60 plus games a season, yeah, I would imagine Pep's like, yeah, I need all, all the quality I can get for as long Why as possible because we're not repeating you, you've this. Because we can't deliver on these objectives you've otherwise. Got, you've got, uh, what's his face? Um, other than Rodri, signed Kovacic. I'm just trying yeah. to pull up the squad here just so I can see who, I'm, who I might be forgetting. But like, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to me that, yeah, you are, you are stretched thinner than anyone because you're going to play more games. But not only is it deeper than everyone, you've also got like the most quality in the backups than anyone. So like, yeah, De Bruyne is out, but you still have Kovacic, Bernardo Silva, Calvin Phillips, Rodri, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish. Like, I think these are all deep enough that it might not warrant the the idea of a Paqueta, but I think Pep just doesn't want that risk. And and he yeah. he is a guy that, you know, warrants the the idea of signing the player he wants and that's that's the relationship he has with city so yeah but i think it is it does get excessive at some point i like what the idea that peps peps signed a like a a center back or two every year that since he's been in in the prime like i think it's just it's it's both depth and quality and and keeping everybody on their toes but it also comes from abundance right like the idea that you need someone to cover someone that's just been injured comes from having that abundance over the years well now city have are incredibly deep at, at center back but don't forget it was two seasons ago that rodri was playing center back for, or sorry not rodri but fernandinho in his last year right because we were like we don't have that right so i think a lot of it was running out the old guard of what city were in that pep inherited not again i'm not saying they've spent yeah. no money they have obviously spent a tremendous amount of money but they've bought tremendous players and now is the first time that i look at the defensive line and go Okay, we have a lot of players here. Like this so is many a, center backs. This is a lot of center backs. But then you think of it, okay, well, how do City play? Right now they play with four center backs largely. So you go, yeah. well, if they're playing every game with four to rotate if they have seven, it seems astronomical to have this many. But hey, it's 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 uh, lonely at the top. You're not going to find sympathy from anybody else. You go, yeah, listen, we're going to try to win every competition every year. We have the money to back all these dudes, and we're going to play more games than everybody. I want the quality. I need the quality. Because the other thing is when a De Bruyne goes down or when somebody goes down or when the transfer window is over and we lose player X, player Y, player Z, you go, well, now what? I think this a lo- some of the moves are starting to be in anticipation for exits, at which point, if we are proactive with our signing, it will cost yeah. us less than if we have to react to losing someone because now all of a sudden people are going to see the price tag we just received and they're going to command all that and then some for whoever they want. 
right? I think uh, I think the gap is more to cover what the the Gundogan Gundogan sized hole in the, in the team, right? Like I think you just lost Gundogan, probably well very narrowly lost Bernardo Silva, may lose him again in the future, and also De Bruyne is seems like he's going towards the end of his career. So I think it yeah, might be coverage a... for that building for the future while you can do it now. Why not? Why not, bro? Like, I to be honest, you asked me two weeks ago, do you want Paqueta? I'm like, yeah, Paqueta's cool, bro. Like, that, that would be... But that was... I was like, we don't need a, a Lucas Paqueta. But would it be sick? Yeah, I freaking love Paqueta. Why not? Right. But the other thing is, I'm a big fan of City's Academy because I see their achievements. I was just under the impression for a long time that we were going to promote more of these because I see these little Phil Foden spawns. I'm like, why aren't we giving these guys minutes? And Pep understands what largely I didn't at the time, which is, bro, we can make 60 odd million per summer selling academy players. There's no other club academy in the world that can do that. There's Chelsea. Chelsea has been doing that historically for years. Like I have to give them 60 credit mil per window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, they've been. Bro, they've I've been never selling. seen them fund no, like that. It's I've seen it's them unknowns. promote their team and then keep them in it. But that's just no, it. No, like, no, I've that, never that's seen been happening since, since Lampard. Before Lampard, the first time when they had the transfer button, they they were selling five to ten million players for like five or six of them every single window, uh, or just Good getting for like them. paid loans. Like they've been doing that historically. So I've seen the. the you're welcome, Joe. Sure. I'm I'm standing up for your club, well, bro. There's many, many, many. You know, if, if City aren't selling, you know, a hundred five million pound players here, they're selling basically three or four 20 million pound players who have never graced the first team for man city and i'm like this is actually a really good model yeah then you look at net spend and people think city have dropped bank which they have but they've dropped significantly less bank than they probably were anticipated to because you're like oh shit we actually just fundraised a lot of this from 60 million to departures who have never featured in the first team i wanted some of those academy players to get more minutes even like cole palmer scored a goal in the community shield i thought that'd be awesome if he if he stayed and replaced the mara's boots and it, it might not happen. It looks like City will go, well, actually, if we can get like 20 mil for him and then put that towards somebody else who has maybe a little bit more pedigree or a neat, you know, offers a characteristic that we need more in the team rather than another left-footed winger, maybe we do that and we come out on top because of it. I'm starting yep. to come to terms with the fact that, okay, I, I guess that's true. Look at what happened with Romeo Lavia. We're going to get to him later in the show. City sold him for 12 and then Chelsea buy him today and we get another 12. So we sell the yeah. academy player who's never featured for us for 25 mil. Not a bad bit of business, right? No, of course. But that's on the note of City. That's kind of touching on uh, on their depth a little bit. I do want to get back to De Bruyne and ask you your perspective as an outsider. Everybody's chasing City at the top here. De Bruyne is a difference maker. And while City have a lot of quality, sometimes it seems like they're dicking around a little bit, like they can't get that killer instinct and, and put it away in the same way, if not for Kevin De Bruyne. With his absence now for the foreseeable future, and I leave that up to basically indefinite. I'm not saying it'll be the year, but it will be a good couple of weeks, if not months. How do City fare without him? I think fine until 26, 27 games in, because that's when Gundogan really steps up, and now you don't have a Gundogan yeah. in the team. Seriously, because it's like, I think you'll fare fine without De Bruyne for now. Because uh, let's let's remember the load on the team at the moment is not is not the highest. It will keep ramping up around until you get to the peak around Christmas time. But I think City, as, as we've spoken about before, is capable of handling that. And I think they're it's just so far ahead of everyone else that losing De Bruyne might just be uh, closing the gap a little bit. I don't think it's an equalizer to Arsenal or anything. And we'll touch on them after after uh, we speak about a few other teams. But um, I think the difference maker is if he's injured uh, towards the end of the season and now there's no Gundogan, I don't know if you lost a little bit of clutchness towards the end of the season. That's That would be my question. 
think and we we're only gonna have did. to wait and see. I think there's a, a misconception that quality equals the killer instinct, and it doesn't. I think City have a lot of players with tremendous quality, but the yeah. ones who step up in those moments is different. And we lost a lot of those moments players. Like Gundogan and Mares got were moments players. They showed up in big occasions to deliver on big moments, and now we don't have them. And to miss out on De Bruyne, who's usually the person who assists those big moments, again, is a tremendous absence. In the early part of the season, I think you're right. This is just consistency across a number of weeks and you'd imagine City will be able to figure it out but like don't underestimate how big of an absence the best yeah. player in the world leaving your team is right we, we can't sleep on that for sure can we transition to arsenal let's do it and i'm going just basically in order of how i watch these games if city kicked off the season it's only fitting that their contenders would be the next one up they face nottingham forest uh on the saturday morning for us they handled their business right? The notable bit of, you know, problems here is that Urian Timber towards ACL. That's such a yeah. huge loss because you just brought him in, right? You just brought him in. He was playing Tough basically left center him, back because as we mentioned, his job is going to be covered the back either as left center back, right center back, right back, left back. He's versatile enough to play all those positions, which is why they brought him in. And now they've lost him for the whole season. So whatever plan they had for him is gone. You're taking immediately a step back on what you had anticipated from that player. You have to revert back to, to last season, which means maybe it's relying on Tomiyasu as the secondary, which means they're one player away from having uh, Callum Chambers back on the pitch, bro. Do you think they're going to go out and try to sign someone on loan to fulfill that kind of a, a role? Because now you know you've lost him for at least eight months. I have wondered that. I don't know who they. Would I don't know who get, fits in the honest. profile, but it, yeah, there's there's no one that stands out. No, I I couldn't like maybe tell not you. a direct replacement, but maybe you just go sign a different right back. It happened early enough in August that yeah. I think they still have a good couple of weeks so to figure that weeks, out. Yeah, maybe they do figure it out. To be honest. Yeah, it's definitely now, possible. Now you can go to the owner and be like, listen, it's extremely unfortunate. We're going to invest in his rehab, but we need someone to play this role. And we're just going to sign someone on loan. We're not going to bother buying anyone. No obligation to buy. Just someone to stopgap. Let's let's figure this out because I need the profile. If, yeah, if they can figure it out, why not? Um, yeah. Did you, did you, were you able to see any of the Arsenal Forest yeah, game? Yeah, that's one of the games I watched. I, I was, I was what, impressed with Arsenal, to be honest. Like it yeah. was, it was pretty good. Um, I think they picked up a little bit better than where they left off. For me, the question is, when does Ramsdale stop being number one? Because they brought in Raya. I've wondered that as well. And, like, and what, the, you're, what if you're in a title race, like... you can't you can't risk trying to rotate between goalkeepers. Like, pick one. Who's number one then? Because Ramsdale was really good last season. Until the last Raya 10 games. Well. You know? Until the last 10 games. I think statistically, Raya was, Raya was the best keeper in the Prem last season. So yeah, I, He was a baller. I don't know. Do you want to? Because it's a tough situation. You either bench Ramsdale immediately and you go, thanks for everything last season, but you're no longer my number one. Immediately lose all the confidence that you built that entire yeah. year. Um, and then you go in, you show confidence in the player that you just signed and probably continues being one of the best goalkeepers in the Prem. Or you stick with status quo and you wait for Ramsdale to make a mistake, bench him kick his confidence while he's down in the process and then Raya gets pissed off that he hasn't been playing so far you think it's possible I, I that know. they share the responsibilities between cup like 
is either of them going to be satisfied being the cup keeper? No. Because that would Raya mean that David Raya gets to be the championship the player. Yeah, Raya might be Which Ramsdale would get then. I don't think so. I wonder. Because I, that's a... I mean, largely, I don't think the battle for number one shirts should be in net. I think if you're going to have battle for competition, exactly. it should be everywhere else on the pitch, to be honest, because it forces them to play better. But I think it disrupts the keeper a little bit. Usually I want to have my absolute standout number one exactly. and a competent backup to fill in when necessary. But but I want to know that this guy's playing every single week. Yeah. That's just it. And I yeah. don't know. I think you're right. I don't know who, who gets the number one shirt here because Ramsdale was fantastic last season for most of it. He was very, very, very good. David Raya was... Until he wasn't. Arguably... I was good, but I don't know if we can pin that all on, on Ramsdale. No, Arsenal you can't because Saliba was gone, but but right. again, uh, like that cost that cost Ramsdale a lot because he started not being not performing as well as he did. So the, I think he actually ended up costing Arsenal a few points. But Saliba was injured, so, but now he's back. So what do you do? Now he's back. Yeah. Uh, I know when John bro. Stones was yeah. was playing again um, along with Ruben Neves and uh, Laporte was replaced in the team. OBS. And it was, and you were like, "Listen, what if it's if it's not broken, don't fix it." Hmm. So, is there going to be an element of it to that here? If if Ramsdale all of a sudden starts conceding, do you do you swap him and Raya becomes your number one? Is it possible no that idea. David Raya starts? Is it possible that David Raya starts playing in midfield because of what an exceptional <laughs> distribution? Like the fact that uh, uh, that his manager there at Brentford said he could be playing number ten, which is why he's valued so highly. Yeah. Maybe we see that just him and Ederson pulling up in a friendly game together, playing in midfield. I'd love to see it. To be honest, would you th- speaking of playing in midfield? Would you think of uh, Race's debut? I mean, like Prem debut for Arsenal. Yeah, it was. Yeah, of course. Um, I think it was good. I think they still still need to work on the chemistry a little bit, but I think I think he did what they what they bought him to do. You know, I think he he sprayed it well. I don't think he was. I know he stood out, and I don't think he shied away. And I think that's that's all you can ask for from a defensive midfielder, to be honest. I don't really want him to be in the headlights too much. Oh, and I think, I think no. To be honest, I think the price tag is kind of obsolete with how everybody's going for that price tag now. Yeah, like the last five done deal transfers have all just been in that price range, which I think was no longer in the top five graphic for Sky Sports. We're good. There you go. We're finally done. We finally move on. We can move on. Not rest. Looking, I'm Honestly, looking at a grateful universe. At a grateful universe. As I wrote the headline here for what I, how I want to bring this up, I literally just wrote Arsenal handle business because I think Forrest did pretty well, to be honest, yeah. better than perhaps I, I expected them. But I, I didn't put Nottingham Forest that close to my danger zone because I thought yeah. they'd figure it out largely. Saka scored a banger. Martinelli had an unbelievable assist. I think that Arsenal just... I'm interested to see them face steeper yep. competition, but I don't think they were asked tremendous questions. And I think they're able to just play effectively. Questions will be asked now about, you know, Iketia and is he keeping his spot? Are they going to push Havertz there? Mm-hmm. What happens with Timber now? Because Inchego's not back yet. The questions will start to come. But for right now, for match week one, I think it was just perfectly adequate. I want to see how they handle Champions League football for the first time in a few years. Yeah, let's see. Um, I Speaking of Champions League football, Newcastle, who you had me bump out of my top four last week. And bro, maybe it's just recency bias, but watching them run through Villa, like just yeah. beat the absolute breaks off. We Villa. rated Villa highly. We did, but Newcastle higher technically on the that prediction is true. table. That is we true. did say Newcastle would be higher. 5 1 uh, higher. <laughs> Tonali with an exceptional debut, which bro, I thought was tweet, fantastic. Did you see the tweet from the Newcastle admin? Yeah, bro never smiles. Bro, does, bro doesn't. <laughs> no, bro doesn't even want to be here. 
Right, right, right. Yeah, that's what <laughs> oh it was. God, so there's some nice. celebrating in the court. Six I minutes in, killed it. Nice. I texted uh, Milan, obviously, shout out Milan, because I saw Milan getting into a Twitter feud with somebody who was arguing that Aston Villa would win the Serie A. And as a Serie A fan, he was very upset about this. So he's like, this is so stupid. And so to watch him go back and forth with this, I told him I felt like uh, McConaughey at the end of Interstellar banging on the book. Yeah. He's like, no, no, don't engage, don't engage. But largely, <laughs> I said, yeah, well, listen, this is just proof of how good Tonali is because this he would have just obviously set himself at the top of, uh, of the Serie A here because Villa would have won it. I think that this is what's going to happen with Tanali. He's going to become a superstar because there's a lot of people who didn't see him in the Serie A who don't credit any other league or just Prem fans and will see him and the impact he has on the pitch now and go, this guy's world-class. This guy's one of the best in the world. I think that it's a shame that he's only getting his flowers now publicly because I think a lot of people won't have been familiar with this game. And as you mentioned, they know all about it, right? Newcastle, so they have their their finger on the pulse. The Tyndall memes that they made, right? Man, those memes are so funny. They know what people are talking about, and I'm excited for them to elevate his profile globally because, to be honest, bro, Newcastle looked unbelievable at what they were doing. And all they were doing, to be honest, was saying, hey, Unai Emery, if you don't push your line back, we're going to rip through you every single time. And Emery's like, no, this is how we play. And And they're like, okay, (laughs) they timed the run. And then they absolutely did it. Every single time. Harvey Barnes, when he came on, literally started his run five five yards behind the defender and just went i don't have to be in, in, in line with you i'm faster just play the ball forward i will accelerate quicker than you get to that ball and we will be in for a sweaty every single time the, it was five one in the end and to be honest wilson missed a sitter sometimes they recovered well enough to, to put off this could have been seven eight i, I wouldn't even have surprised me because it was the yeah. same play every time it was the same thing as when villa beat liverpool seven two yeah. and liverpool was just like what on earth it. is going on Couldn't here? Fix it. Yeah. Just figure it out. Like, look at what's happening. Stop doing that. And they were like, no, we're not doing it. So not an ideal debut for Pau Torres, right? Obviously, as the Villa center back. And to be honest, this was probably lackluster for Emery's side in terms right. of the statement he would have liked to have sent to the rest of the league. But for Newcastle, the project's getting better and better. It, yeah, it totally is. And uh, I like the function that they get with Harvey Barnes rather than some yeah. sometimes the flair of some maximum. It's just direct. Well, even Anthony Gordon did well in the space until yeah. Barnes came on. Like, I think that, you know, they're different players, but the fact that they offer different things all within the, the system that uh, that Eddie Howe wants them to have is important because Gordon has the more of the flash and the, the hubris of a young talent who's, you know, touted to be something good and wants to prove himself. Whereas Harvey Barnes is just a blue collar player. He's like, listen, I know my job. I'm going to go do it. I'm going to come back. You know, I'll get the assist. The amount of times he just went for these assists. And because he's not confident on his left, bro, he's coming down the left wing and would pass it with his right foot into the stride yep. of Wilson or Isak or whoever it was. And he's like, yeah, we're just going to do this every single time. No flare, no flash, no cutback, no hold up play, no squaring. Just I'm going to run, I'm going to pass it, and it's going to be simple. I think that this is probably the statement of the weekend, if I'm honest. Oh, and course. I want to know how that affects your perception of Newcastle for the league, because I know you have them fifth. And to be honest, that'd be a fine objective if they did finish fifth, considering they'll be in the Champions League too. But games like this will lead them to believe that they can compete on two fronts, and that they can win any game in the league, and that they can get out of the group in the Champions League. Their ambition will be to their detriment eventually. But where will they sit when the decline starts to come? Will they be sitting in the top three? Will they be sitting in a title race? Will they be just coasting around those European positions? Because sometimes it's going to work and other times it won't. What do you think? 
Newcastle's a comfortable top four side, arguably top three side, if they didn't have the Champions League. And I think it's it's going to be the the number of games in quick succession that's going to get them. Like they're going to get through the Christmas period, and they're going to be like, "What can, can we stop playing games? Like, what is happening here? <laughs> yeah, around? Can we just hey, what's the international can we break? Pump the brakes, guys! Like, what is happening over here? November, December, January is about to hit them like a ton of brakes, like something <laughs> that they've never seen before. Because we like we're used to it, but every like two every two and a half days it's not even three days it averages out to every two and a half days that you're playing a football match and they're gonna be like bro slow down <laughs> yeah we're um, Aisha's gonna be like i've run 100 kilometers this week i'm exactly. tired I'm we have no so rotation. tired we have yeah. to remember their depth is basically like sub mid-table premier league so like the the yeah, gap no, between like how Cal they Wilson start now. But even Callum Wilson's fine he's i'm more good. worried about the midfield bro when you yeah, rotate out yeah. joe linton tonali and bruno you have to put three midfielders into the team. <laughs> Who are we looking at? We're looking I mean, at Murphy, Longstaff. Bro, when one. they had Murphy and Longstaff, yeah. they were in the relegation zone. That's true. Like they're so far, dude. That I think the guy. I think you're Harvey right. Barnes is Which, not. Yeah, is 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 also not too uh, like unfamiliar with the relegation zone either. Honestly, bro, I think that uh, come the Christmas time, they're gonna be like, "Hey, Lester, what's Wilfred and Didi doing?" Because <laughs> yeah. apparently, no one bought him from the championship. They're gonna be like. We need some of that in here right now. Go get Onana from Everton, a midfielder. I'm going to do Onana or someone. Go get like a destroyer. Just just for, just yeah, until well, someone gets like injured. He's trash. Yeah. I don't like him. He's garbage, to be honest. He just elbows people in the face. I mean, a little, I mean, everyone just at like, Everton is pretty trash. That's exactly it. I was like, I don't think that's the club you want to be poaching talent off of right now. Yeah. Because it, it's a bit of an issue for them. But hey, I think that Newcastle did very well. If we're looking at the story for them, I think it was Newcastle went out to set the league on fire. They want to let everyone know we're here. And yet, I feel like Newcastle's objective, I was listening to a podcast that were talking about this, the ultimate objective for Newcastle this season shouldn't even be to get back in the Champions League places, but to win a cup. I agree. I think that they totally will, agree. Even F- EFL Cup, FA Cup, whatever it is, I think if that's Newcastle's number one ambition this season, we must win a silverware. I think that that's a pretty solid objective for them because they're yep. still punching well above their weight. The quality is so much fun, right? The team when they're on is just wonderful. But and to be honest, I think that they're going to back Eddie Howe in the sense that even if they're floating around the like seven eights, they're not going to like now we're going to fire him. I think they understand that you know one, two, and three are really good, but four, five, and six are miles off of that. But I when, think they'll when do the they just go like death. fuck it, like hundred million? Here you go, let's go. Two two hundred well, million. Chelsea, million I window. think, bought all of the Let's targets that go. Newcastle would have got. Would have that anybody you. wanted. Chelsea, you know like, what I mean. I think they're preparing for <laughs> for like a zombie apocalypse here because yeah, they're honestly. gatekeeping all the talent in the world. Uh, dude, hey, that. Do you remember when Bayern they're... bought the fullbacks? Like, I'm not even going to specify them because they just bought the fullbacks, all of them. Yeah, all the fullbacks. This is what Chelsea's doing with with young players now. Yeah, pretty much anybody under the age of 22, they're like, we need to get them. And it's crazy because Preparing we thought, hey, they have way too many players last season. It's going to be a problem. And this season, they're like, no, we can do more. Fuck it. Yeah. We want more. Let's, speaking of Chelsea, transition to them. Chelsea versus Liverpool was total football. What a fantastic football match from start to finish. I, yeah. I, I, I loved it. I loved playing it. for custody. I, they, <laughs> well, we thought so, but apparently they weren't. Only Liverpool thought they were playing for Liverpool. custody. <laughs> Chelsea were like, can I please? Hang on. When 
I saw a tweet today that was like, yeah, we're calling Chelsea's midfield the LFC midfield. Love you for nothing. I say because they rejected LFC only to build their own LFC midfield. Didn't they ever? And damn, like we're gonna we're gonna get to that. I want to talk about the game first and foremost, and then this will inevitably transition into Chelsea's. I want you to educate educate me about the game because that is a game that I unfortunately was not able to see, and I only saw the highlights and that the missed goals and cancel goals and stuff. But so the contrast from the game at its peak versus the end when both teams had subbed on five players. Apparently, like nobody knows who these 10 players who came on because it ended as though it was a preseason friendly. Like, you know, Liverpool put on a guy named Doak. No one who stop. No one's ever heard of him. Like, come on, bro. I don't know. NPCs like, everywhere. Yeah, don't even they didn't even have faces on the graph. Yeah, yeah. Just okay? NPCs, dude. And then Chelsea brought on all these players. Now, the thing is, you'd think that both sides were chasing the game at this point. So I thought that it might come back to bite Chelsea in the ass in particular because they like none of them know each other, right? Like they've brought in right. so many new players that when you're going to sub on, you're going to sub off the ones who started, which you'd think are your best and, you know, most senior players. Now you're going to put on five kids on top of the kids who are already out there. You're going to take off kids to bring on more kids. I was like, bro, this Comes is not the way to match. see a game out, which leads me to believe what we were talking about last season, about some of the problems that Chelsea could run into this season in having no seniority. They're going to look it, from 70 minutes onwards they're going to look like, what do we do here? Like, who, like, what's your <laughs> name again, bro? Are you, do you, what language do you speak? What country are you from? Because I thought I was going on loan to Strasbourg and now I'm here. I don't even know, bro. So let's just play as best as we can. Enzo Fernandez had the best game I've ever seen him play in a Chelsea shirt. Nice. And it's everything that I wanted. And part of that was that Conor Gallagher was outstanding. Conor Gallagher was the heart of the team because he was just really, really like, running his ass off. He didn't misplace passes. He wasn't being stupid. He just played really well, which enabled wow. Enzo to him. play in a midfield three as an eight. If you look at it at a seat map, he was, he was absolutely everywhere. It's what Enzo is supposed to be. The fact that they now bought Caicedo and Lavia is like, oh my God. Now you have to figure this out. You can't, it's not football manager. You can't just go with all these kids. Cause even sometimes in football manager, you do that, you lose only in the video games at FIFA, really. Can you go out there with young, talented players ever on the pitch and kick ass? Because largely that's just not how it works. And Pochettino will figure it out over time with this team. But in the last three windows, they've spent over a billion. Part of it, you could say, as to this game could have been different things. Liverpool played the most attacking six I've ever seen in my entire life. Bro, I saw the lineup. I saw Gakpo in midfield. I was like, what is happening here? Gakpo, Subberschlei, and McAllister in midfield. That's your midfield three. That is Kamikaze, bro. That is the most we're going for broke that you could possibly get. And McAllister was fantastic. I can't even slight him. He did such a good job. Subberschlei was was really, really good as well. Gakpo was basically pressing every time anybody had the ball at the back line. I... And Chelsea, by the way, who played a back three, it looked like they were going to get cut through at some points, but then two goals disallowed on, on each respective side uh, due to VAR things. No one, no one escapes playing Liverpool with a back three. You play Liverpool with a back three, it's over before it starts. And Unless Chelsea, you've got everyone. They drew. I was like, hey, bro, you know what? That's an absolute win. Because when it was 2-0 down, you thought, oh, bro, here we go. Like, this is the problem with Chelsea having yeah. such a young squad. They pulled Mo's goal back for offside. Then Chelsea score, and you're like, what's the game? I thought that Enzo was fantastic. I thought the Chelsea were playing very, very good football. I thought Liverpool were just 
vibing as best as they could with all the attacking players that they possibly could put out there. I was interested to see that Trent had been reverted back to a right back as opposed mm. to the tucked in position that we saw for the last quarter of, the, of, yeah. of last year. But largely, this was a fun game. There was a lot to like about, and I think Chelsea's the bigger story. There was a lot to like about how they played in particular with the use of wide areas, with the fact that the kids actually played for the shirt. They were all working hard, which is something we didn't see from Chelsea last year. The fact that everybody got to see what Enzo Fernandez actually looks like and why they bought him. And the fact that that is only scratching the surface because the players who are around him are not as good as the two who they've bought today, which brings me to where we are. Mina, we now live in a market where Moises Caicedo goes for 115 million British pounds. Dude, Independiente got 23 million from that deal. 29. 29. I saw 29. You hear what they're oh going to do with God. it? No. They're going to build. I, I saw this on uh, on Twitter. They're going to build a high performance center to, re- to reinvest in Ecuadorian football. They're going to nice. name it the Moises Caicedo Institute of Sports. Seriously? But in Spanish. Yeah, well, however you say that in Spanish. They're calling it, they're, they're naming it after. Me? I don't know. I don't know. No more more than a thousand days. Of yeah, Duolingo hadn't got me there yet. Sorry. I don't know how to say performance center. <laughs> you know what I could say in Spanish? <laughs> I could say Moises Caicedo's name in Spanish. Moises Caicedo. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Everybody download Duolingo now. They're going to reinvest. With them, but, you know, they're going to reinvest in Ecuadorian football. And I think that is an underrated like little win from this brighton are going to get it you know a ton of money the fact that his old club in ecuador is going to get so much money and the fact that he's going to make chelsea a lot better is a big deal chelsea have one of the most exciting pivots in world football now if they're yeah. actually and, and sorry we thought it would be a pivot it actually might be a midfield three because they're going to play wing backs that's true and it's with romeo lavia you can't it's too it's too young bro the average age is 20 in a in a premier league midfield but it's ballers fc it really is. It's the most exciting project in the world. I think Joe can't be excited enough about how much they've actually backed the club. When you look at some teams who have like not spent any money or are trying to negotiate or <clears throat> are severely overpaying for backup <laughs> positions where they don't even have starters in those positions. Wink, wink. We'll get to that a little later. The funding that Chelsea have put into this project in order to succeed is second to none. It's remarkable. I just hope they are able to use their foresight much better than they did with Grant Potter and just basically go, okay, this is actually our guy. We were wrong before. This, this is, is our guy. We have to now give him time to figure this out because they're buying as though they're going to tra- as though they're going to get a transfer ban. They might, but they won't have to sign anybody for five years. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane that they've like not found this loophole and they've made it. They've used it every time yeah. since then. Before they before UEFA can close that loophole on them, mm-hmm. it's just every That's player exactly. signed on a seven, eight, nine year deal for 110 million. Or they now have multiple 100 plus million midfielders. Do you know how crazy that is? Yeah, multiple. No, and and contracts because they're getting paid 200k a week for t- the next 10 years. That's crazy, bro. And the fact, bro, they, they can sit on those. You're never going to dub those contracts. Which means oh, you're no. not going to lose these players. They're going to sit on these you contracts. You get injured. Like, forever. let's say something that happened, you're in Timber happens, and Caicedo rips his ACL. Hopefully, like, okay. knock on wood, yeah, nothing happens. Not do that. Yep. But he's collecting money. <laughs> what are you going to do? Hey, yeah, Mudrik is going to be laughing. He's going to be long gone. They're not, he's going to be on his 14th alone. You're going to be like, well, remember we spent 90 mil on that Ukrainian dude? He's going to be like, just counting the paychecks. 
because he's like, listen, bro, that was the smartest move I ever did. If it works out for Chelsea, it ends up being brilliant business. The fact that nobody can really say anything about it is to their benefit. They're like, do something. What are you going to do? We're going to no. sign all these players. Every day, they're unveiling new players. They're buying new players. You know I'm a big fan of Moises Caicedo. You know that I'm a big fan of Enzo Fernandez. The reason... I, I will put forth a position that I somewhat believe as to why this is, deal makes sense. And then I want you to criticize it and say why Moises Caicedo cannot go for 115 million pounds. I think I've left you the easier argument, to be honest. But I'm of the opinion that when you buy Moises Caicedo for the price you have, you are basically getting two extra players. So you already have Enzo in midfield, and now you bought Moises Caicedo. So it should just be them two. I'm of the opinion that you're actually getting two more players. And the reason is that Moises Caicedo, we call him, you know, the N'Golo Kante 2.0, right? The next Kante. Because Bro can win games on his own. He had the most take-ons or tied for, the, I think it was only with Trent. What's the stat? The only player with Trent to have over 100 take-ons, recoveries, and chances created, which is a pretty remarkable statistic to have. He wins games by himself, and he's everywhere. What he enables your team to do is not only frustrate opposition, but make everybody on his team better because he gives you more time on the ball with how busy he's going to keep your opponent just by himself. And that's not to mention what he does on the ball. That's just off of it. In this partnership that he has with Enzo, it gives you basically double the Enzo. And here's how. We saw Enzo last season at what I would say is about a quarter of his skill set. Okay, playing the Jorginho role is about one quarter of what Enzo Fernandez can do and can bring to the mm -hmm. table because it's really just a short passing game that they used him for. With this, you're going to get what you saw yesterday. Now, part of that we saw yesterday, they can do if you can figure it out around him. Maybe you can get that without having to spend 150 million on Casero. I'll, I'll leave you to, to argue that. But now that you'll get the forward attack of Enzo Fernandez, now that you're going to get the heart, brains, and lung of Enzo Fernandez, which is, you know, the other assets that he has on top of his just short, tidy, you know, passing game, you're basically going to get the full potential of Enzo Fernandez as he gets better over the next five years, playing along another South American who has the perfect complementary skill set. So you've gone from spending a tremendous amount of money to saying, well, hold on, I'm actually going to have all of these players now in midfield, it still ends up being two guys and like 250 mil for two players. I get that. I just don't necessarily hate it. I would hate it if I thought it was stupid. Like if they bought it on somebody who I didn't see an avenue to the first team or didn't play, or if they already had somebody in that position. No, the players are this definitely This is a smart boring. signing for a very long time. And it's going to be perfect if both of them can play together. Like that will I don't know if I can call it a Chelsea smart Chelsea. signing though. Like it's a great signing, but I don't know if it's a smart signing. Like an astute signing yeah. is if this player went for like 80 million. You'd be like, both right. both teams shake hands. Great. Yeah, we overpaid a little. And you know you kind of got rinsed a little bit, but you got a baller out of it. Now add a hundred add 30 million to that, and that's where Chelsea find themselves because he could get injured tomorrow. Someone can go in ankle, yeah. you know, straight into the ankles, and and that's it. He's done. Broken leg probably never going to play again in his career to the same level. And and that's a thing. He could be crossing the street, bus hits him. No idea. Like <laughs> for eight years, you're on the risk that <laughs> that this guy is 110 million pounds walking around the streets of London. And genuinely, there's no guarantee that he's actually going to serve the rest of his contract. But nobody's going to buy him because nobody can afford to take him off your hands and nobody can afford right. to, to pay his wages. So whatever happens, either good or bad, 
that's it. You're stuck paying his wage and he's stuck forever at Chelsea, regardless of what happens. Like, let's say they sack Pochettino in a year and a half, which is not outside the realm of possibilities. He's now stuck in a conveyor belt of managers who with no identified project to justify his move elsewhere because nobody's going to be able to to afford him. So both team, both team and player are, are in a situation where the only way this is good is if it works. This has to work. There is no backup plan. There is no contingency plan. Like there's nothing about any risk management in this whatsoever. It has to work for both of them for it to for it to be anything worth it. And that was the same with Enzo. And if it works, fantastic. You've got one of the best midfield pivots or two in a three, like in the world right now. It's something oh. that you can build on for the next seven years. But it has to work. And now you've added another variable into the discussion where the risk was only onefold when it was just Enzo. Now it's twofold. Now they both have to work and they both have to work together. And if they don't have that, then you're screwed. Dude, but then they went and signed Lavia <laughs> today as well. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> the dude, greed they talked about in the Bible. It, honestly, man, because you're going, man, like we really hope that works out. But if it doesn't, guess what? We got another great another young central midfielder. And by the way, Romeo Lavia, this this might be the signing of a lot of them because if you're Pochettino, you want to identify a Pochettino player. Romeo Lavia is the next Musa Dembele, basically. Yeah, That's absolutely. your Dembele. That's exactly what I was gonna say. It is. Musa is that Dembele. not your guy? I the fact that they got him at 19 and he's just gonna build. And this is not on a Spurs team that can't freaking win anything. This is gonna be at Chelsea, surrounded by the other best young talent on planet Earth forever now. Apparently, yeah. Unless they all get hit by a bus, God forbid. That would that would really suck. <laughs> Dude, the fact that they can play this. Five three two is that what it'll be? Probably three five two in some iteration. Because twenty years old, it's going to be Levi Caldwell. It's going to be Thiago Silva, who's like eighteen years older than the next player. Yeah, by he's the, way. the His one teammates next the, to him. The he's eighteen years older him than him. And them, Sterling bro. are pulling the ranges up, and Sterling isn't even thirty yet. <laughs> no, honestly. So you're going to have Desassi played fantastic. I thought Desassi should have been signed by Newcastle, by the way. But this kind of leads me to my point. There's a lot of players that I would say Newcastle should have got out and signed that Chelsea went. If nope. we go by them, Newcastle will not be able to, and neither, not to mention, neither will Liverpool, neither will United, neither will City. We will get all of the targets and just clean up and see how it works. Yo, it puts a lot of pressure on Podge, does it not, though? Like, I hope that oh, they wow. give him time to figure it out, but Jesus Christ, they're going to be like, it, it also, Maurizio, though, we spent a billion in the Maurizio, last 18 months. I can't move it more. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, that was still the funniest video uh, you've ever said. To this it's gonna happen it every was. time someone gets injured this season. <laughs> and I'm all for it. I can't Maurizio, I can't move it, move it. Maurizio. Oh man, that's the funniest thing. When you sent me that, I literally started I was howling. I was howling laughing. I was dying at work. I saw that while I was at my desk, I was so dead. It was hilarious. <laughs> It's very, very, very funny. Anyway, should we get off uh, Chelsea now? Because Chelsea has just done some ridiculous business. In the One last, last point. While. How much How much less pressure on Poch is it that the average age of his squad is 16 years old? <laughs> <laughs> I, Bro, I don't know if it's more pressure or less because I don't know how the board is going to look at it. I don't know if they're going to be like, yeah, like this is a project for us. Like we've done a rebuild and we know that. So we're going to give you time to succeed. Or if they're going to go, we've spent a billion we need you to win right away. To be honest, I'm, that seems more realistic. And yet I feel like that's not the case. I feel like he, like Machino will have said when they were discussing, I'm not winning champions leagues and premier leagues 
across 38 weeks with some of the other teams in here with 20 year olds. You're, I, no, I, I can do it with 24 year olds. Years. Yeah. I just need them to, to figure this out over the next couple of seasons. We'll see who works. We'll see who doesn't. And I'll hone my squad over the next 24 months. Basically they'll all get better in that time. So yeah, we should be really, really, really good. But right now, bro, the Chelsea last week, I was very critical on here. I said, yo, the fact that this is just the blue team, like none of these players are Chelsea players. That's true. I still believe that. But continentally, the fan base that Chelsea will be able to have, if you're a neutral, you thought that it was going to be bright with the with the young prospects that they had. If you're a neutral, you're like, oh yeah, Brighton's going to be a cool team to watch. Bro, you're going to have neutrals who are now fans of Chelsea because they're like, these guys are sick. Right. If you're an Ecuadorian football fan, you're going, where's Ecuadorian football's finest? Right there. When Alfonso Davies signed for Bayern Munich, Sportsnet started showing Bundesliga games. Yeah. Like, having those players is going to have their global outreach be crazy. And Pochettino is the perfect guy to lead. We already saw in their first game, they were very, very good. I can't wait to see what this project turns into. I'm petrified. I'm disgusted because I love all of these. These are some of my favorite players in the world, you know, especially me, because I love my young football players. I Mm. know their names. I tell you their names two years in advance. And then you start to figure out these freaking kids names. They've all been mentioned on here and they've all found themselves at Chelsea. That's insane. Yeah. It's a real, real, it's going to be a problem for the rest of us. Um, Malo Gusto, Levi Colwell, just even players that we didn't even bother to mention. Yeah, it's insane. Crazy, 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 crazy. Uh, anyway, as for the Liverpool side of it, listen, we don't sympathize with Liverpool. So, no. sucks, dude. <laughs> Figure it out. Now, if Caicedo had gone to Liverpool, I would have said actually, I was actually kind of in agreement with, with Carragher from that perspective because it seems like a lot of money for them to spend. But you look at, well, they spent 35 on on McAllister. So realistically, if you dollar cost average it, it's about 70 for each of them, which, which is, is about fair. right. That's what they should each be going for anyway. That would have been a great bit of business by them. Where are Liverpool now, dude? Apparently they have less pull than a 12th place Chelsea. Chelsea have the excitement in this project and it's pulling everything. What do Liverpool I don't, I, do? I don't Who's understand. I don't understand it because Chelsea's Chelsea's obviously a big club. Like we're we're not taking the piss of Chelsea here. This is not Spurs. Chelsea will absolutely still be one of the biggest clubs in in England. And listen, the last decade they've been the most successful club. So eat it. <laughs> yeah, um, arguably um yeah pretty much them and you guys right so yeah uh liverpool in my opinion had a way more defined project you knew what you were going to do if you went to liverpool you knew that you were going to start week in week out and that you knew that you were there for the long run i don't know if the same can be said about chelsea so i don't know why these players obviously i know why moses guy said got 100k extra than what liverpool were going to pay him every single week for eight years that too yeah yeah i'm sure um so it's not just money it's because money's living in london and it's, it's still playing for a huge club that has won european competitions in the past so yeah. by all means but um yeah i don't know where liverpool is at the moment like they have to do extra in order to to scout teams now like they can't go with the obvious ones because the obvious ones are just going to go to chelsea dude the fact that and or, or newcastle like don't forget newcastle is are kind of sneaking into this whole situation here um i think if you're liverpool one of two things is going to happen here. They're either going to realize we can't compete because even when we thought we put a hundred over a hundred million pounds on the table, we still lost. So they're going to back out of it and be like, we can't compete. Like, this is it. Like we, we've had our run, but what can we do? We can't offer the same wages. We can't pay the same transfer fees. We cannot compete with what these other clubs are doing. So they'll back out. Maybe the owners have, you know, are like we got to sell the club because what's the point or the alternative where they are like, 
we got to blow it up. We not blow up the project they have, but like blow up the way that they approach their business and go, if this is the new norm for football, which it is, it's sink or swim. Listen, it's which not one even that Chelsea has, has Arab or, you know, oligarch owners. They're doing it with just with American owners, which is what Liverpool have. Why can't they do the eight-year contracts and spread it out over the term? I don't, I don't understand. I don't know if it's their board, if it's the ownership group, if they just don't want to pay in the same way. It's LeBron. He's being stingy. You ever mm, seen the clip of him? That's my favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, unfortunately, I did not get to see him play, but I thought that was so special. <laughs> he could do that. Shut up. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> Dude, I, I honestly don't know what happens to Liverpool from this point forward because the fact that the fact that they were in this tug of war, right? They're going for Lavia and they're being stingy in the championship with, with a championship. Southampton said, like, we'll give you 40. Southampton's like 50. They're like, we'll give you 46. Southampton <laughs> said 50. Well, we'll give you 47. 50. Hey, can, higher memo. Can you read? What number did we put on this page? I'll press this. <laughs> and then Chelsea were like, you know, what? we're going to go for Lavia. So like, yeah, we'll get Caicedo. And then Chelsea end up getting both and Liverpool all going with nothing. That's a big deal. It's very, bro, very the Madagascar funny. references are off the charts in this. Yeah, they <laughs> really, really are. Oh, bro, it's absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Oh, you're right. That was a Madagascar yeah. reference. Yeah, you're <laughs> it was the penguin. <laughs> yeah, it was the penguin. You're right. But anyway, so to hell with Liverpool. I don't want to talk about them anymore. Let's see what the fallout is for them and how they figured this out over the next couple of weeks. Um, let's go to the, the game that happened before that. I don't really want to talk about because I didn't see the second half I only saw the first half between Brentford and Spurs which was very exciting what I did notice was the notable absence of a one Harold Kane mm-hmm. where's Harry Mina I can see Deutsch where's Harry dude <laughs> on Saturday Harry is not is not in Manchester he's not in London he's where he Munich. finally belongs speaking the language that he's always spoken like in, like what you said what you said in the group chat like buddy he's been speaking german for years <laughs> dude that's all he's ever spoken man yeah he's, he's gonna have a real tough Food time is in, in munich he's gonna ask davies if davies speaks english and davies gonna be like hey yo what <laughs> what does this guy say <laughs> are you speaking english no bro? he's just gonna respond to him because davies is, yeah. is prime gen z toronto man absolutely <laughs> like yeah. he's just gonna he's just gonna hit him back with the with the england memes yeah, you're right. That's exactly what's going to happen. Um, Harry Kane moved to Bayern Munich, and I want to get your opinion on this because every English pundit thinks that, well, they only watch the Prem. We know that. And so they think that the Prem is all there is out there. It's to be all end all of football. Not necessarily thinking of what Harry Kane was thinking. What's Harry Kane thinking, Mina? He's thinking, hey, even if I run down my contract and I have my pick of teams next year, I see that Norwegian bastard across the pond over there. He's just, he's going to, he's going to keep all these records. And if city can keep a hold of him, I don't think they're going to sign me. Is there any other team in the premier league you can go to that will guarantee me a trophy? The answer is no. The only oh, not, team not guarantee, that, but you're in for no, a show. The, the only team in the premier league that can guarantee me a trophy is yeah, if I go to man city. city, every yeah. other team, I'm hoping we can compete with them, but I don't know if that's true. Where can I go where I can, win trophies all the time where I can be consistently in the conversation for winning the champions league where I can even have a shout at the ballon d'or because I know the boots I'm filling won that trophy. Let's go to Munich. 
And so England's captain, bro, I'm telling you, the Prem is so disrupted this year because for the first time, the Prem isn't the one buying. They're being poached from Saudi Arabia. Dude, Bellingham. England's captain. Dude, Bellingham going to Real Madrid. the yeah. Prem. It's absolutely unbelievable what's happening here across Europe. And for Bayern Munich, fan-based Bayern Munich to say, screw the transfer policy. We're spending 100 million. We're buying England's number nine. That puts the Prem on notice. That puts everybody on notice that these other, they're not other leagues in general, but that somebody out there will always have some amount of buying a bigger power fish. and can poach your stars. What do you think of the move? Kane to Bayern, dude. I love it. I love it. I absolutely don't understand the the players that are just saying, yeah, he should have he should have stayed. This is a failure. He's never going to get that record. Buddy, the only reason the record gets brought up before Alan Shearer's Premier League is because it was with Blackburn. It was a freakish Premier League win. And if he went to like a dynasty team or if he had suddenly won the Champions League, it wouldn't have been, oh, this is primarily the Premier League goal scorer record holder. It would be... Mm. Oh, this is the guy that won the Champions League with X number with X team, who also happens to be the all-time goal scorer for the Premier League. That's right. the only reason that gets brought up before his Premier League trophy, because that was a not the only trophy that he won in his career, and he won it with Blackburn in a freakish Leicester-like season, the original yep. Cinderella story. So I don't understand what these what these players are saying. They've been saying it for so many years. Go to a team that's going to get you trophies. Go to a team that's going to get you trophies. And he tried. He tried to go to City. He put in a transfer request. He had that interview with Gary Neville saying that he that he wants to try something new. And then City said, we can't make a deal with Daniel Levy. So we're just gonna we're just gonna wait and get Holland the next year, which absolutely it is yeah. totally working out for, for City and Holland. And they spent less money than they would have had to spend on Kane today if they signed him this instant. So yeah. he's so Harry Kane went, okay, you want me to win trophies? I'm gonna go win trophies. So he went to Bayern Munich. Now, the problem is, at the first time of asking, <laughs> he didn't win a trophy. Yeah, he started, mind you, he showed up on the day of signing his contract, said, put me in, coach. I yeah. want to play. And and Tuchel was like, Daniel Mo was like, no. Nah. Okay, the optics will be bad here. So I can't have you start today, Kane. I have to play Matthias Tell. He's had a good preseason. He's our next big gem. <laughs> He's got the, you know, we, we we think he's got the same potential as the Kylian Mbappe, quite frankly. We think he can really turn into that. So we're going to give him the minutes. We're going to see what he can do. We'll bring you on later in the game. At which point, Bayern were getting absolutely clattered. Bayern, the fact that Tuchel had to apologize afterwards to Kane specifically publicly, he was like, he literally said, Bravo. I'm so embarrassed. He probably thinks we haven't trained for the last month. Is <laughs> so true because, bro, I watched that game. Daniel Mo, masterclass. It was, it, it did look like Bayern had never played together. Like they, they, they haven't been great under Tuchel. I think everybody, no. including myself, expected Tuchel to just make them a different, a like, different beast altogether. Yeah. Their win percentage, Mina, is forty five percent. He's only been in charge for ten games, yes. right? Like ten, eleven, whatever the whatever These the stat. All the social numbers. He's <laughs> he's barely, 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 you know influence the team in a positive way now maybe sometimes you look at them and you go oh, yeah that's the Tuchel system he's kicking ass but largely i would say that's not the case bro it has not been super successful i think that the fact that they have a new board i think they all kind of you know look at last season for what it was and they say this season no we're gonna give them you know harry kane and we're gonna expect that we win the champions league again and to be honest i wouldn't be surprised if they do it now Bayern munich are as strong as ever they're gonna sort their issues out at the back they're gonna sort the issues out in midfield they're clearly has their number nine boots filled you can't tell me Kane's not going to win trophies here. 
optically though it is pretty bad that he came in as <laughs> the Spurs so guy and sabotaged what seems like a shoe in when you remind them though that Byron also didn't win that last year they lost that game last year as well yeah so yeah. who knows who knows they what don't happens care. It's, here. it's like it's like what Pep said right like we lost the last three in a row you know why because we won the prem like it's it's yeah. cheeky but it's it's a throwaway it's exactly real right. Ferdinand said I can't tell you how many community shields we have won like people don't count that right <laughs> yeah, so it's exactly right he's probably gonna win but it's interesting to see uh that at his first time of asking at the club that guarantees trophies he still didn't win a trophy. the thing is there's good bets that sometimes don't come true and there's bad bets that do right sometimes you get lucky sometimes you don't it's a good bet to go to Bayern Munich to win trophies of course nothing's guaranteed in this the world. only other place could happen. Madrid. that's it you'd probably expect yeah very very few clubs to be able to give you meaningful trophies every single year and Bayern Munich are absolutely one of them because like I said it's not only the Bundesliga it's and to be honest I don't think that's why Kane went he didn't go because he wants to win the Bundesliga I'm sure he wants to lift trophies he will lift the Bundesliga he will be much closer to lifting the Champions League in Munich than he would be if he went to Chelsea or Man United arguably any team other than Real Madrid right because they're yeah, I'm telling you it's just City Madrid year. and and Bayern those are the ones that right. can actually guarantee you a league and probably also a deep run into the Champions League because right. PSG can guarantee you a league but they they can't guarantee you either stability or deep runs into the Champions League can't guarantee anything else bro <laughs> like if he just wanted to win the league every year he could have just went to Benfica you know what I mean or Celtic but right but he went to the the team that could also push <laughs> deep into the uh into the Champions League and yeah. I, I'm sorry for putting Benfica and Celtic in the same sentence I'll never do that again Benfica's so much <laughs> better okay. than Celtic. hey Benfica haven't won uh that many leagues over the last couple of years because it's it's a big three there but we and the reigning champions and, and we will win them again and by the way if we had Kane there we would have though <laughs> but we had Kane, <laughs> yeah, yeah just but figure out what league yeah sorry yeah. Gonzalo Ramos go ahead go to Bayern that's it yeah go go ahead go wherever you want go to PSG guys uh the last thing that we're going to talk about here has to be United at because we just watched this game it's, it's yeah. pretty fresh before we do can I just throw in this little thing that I meant to to bring up earlier go ahead. I hate the new Premier League rules that they implement. Yeah. I don't like them one bit. The fact that games are so long now, the fact that I'm watching games, I told you when we started, I watched 11 games this weekend, bro. I don't have time to be watching an extra 15 minutes per game, if not per half. Because in some of the games, it's 15 minutes a half. Bro, yeah. that's ridiculous. I think if you're going to do that, you have to make the game 60 minutes. And I don't think you should make the game 60 minutes. I think you should remove this stupid rule. I do wonder how closely this rule will be followed throughout the season. Like, I wonder if they're going to be stern in the first month. And then after that, they're going to be like, okay, we got to, we got to ease up on this a little bit because everybody's gassed. This is so ridiculous. Yeah, that's what Varun so said. I think he already came out yeah. and tweeted about it. And he was like, this is, this is ridiculous. Like you always keep adding more minutes. You always keep adding more games for us. And, and we always get injured. Like, yeah, you're making more money and by all means we're making more money but it, at some point that that's gonna that's gonna get reach a tipping point and everybody's gonna start losing money because nobody can play um yeah i think that was part of also arsene Wenger's um what's it called proposal to uefa when he said or fifa in general when he said like yeah we'll start a counter because pe- people waste time but games are going to be 70 minutes so you're going to play a 35 minute half right and then you're also going to just start a stopwatch and literally stop the game uh, sorry, stop the clock uh, when the ball goes out of play and then restart it at that point. But you're only mm-hmm. playing up to 35 minutes every half. And I think that's fair, but I don't I don't want to do that. Just stop changing the game. The only thing that we yeah. were complaining about last year was that the four minutes that came on of at a time was not four minutes because a team would wait, make subs, and then they they wouldn't add on the lost time during the added time at the end. 
I think if I think if they just did that, if they just added on lost time during added time, people wouldn't complain. Honestly, I think that's part of it. I think the games are plenty long. I think they play for long enough. I think if you don't, I think this only benefits the top end teams because if you're a small team that's and you've true. been able to shut to shut out a giant for ninety minutes and now you have to do it for a hundred, you're just not to mention their the bigger their five win, coming bro. on are going to be much better than your five coming on, especially exactly, with the five bro. subs. Like, I don't need, even last season with Arsenal, we saw Arsenal played a lot of games on basically, it felt like until they won, right? And uh, it, it didn't matter because ultimately City won the league. But you know what, bro? If City lose to a Brentford or a Sheffield this season yeah. because they've shut us out for 96 minutes and we score in the 99th, I would be pissed if I'm a fan of that team. Like, the game's done right. at 90. Even if I'm wasting all the time, who cares? This is the only opportunity I'm going to have to... Yeah, I'm not going to silk through Man City's freaking press. They're better than us. We've shut them out by playing the dark arts of football here. That's been part of the game for a long time. If this rule had existed, Jose Mourinho isn't what he is. Yeah, he doesn't He's a master at, at making, you know, the, the game... And wasting time, harder. like Wasting the time. So the fact that that doesn't exist anymore is just ridiculous. The other thing I hate is players getting booked instantly for asking for yellow cards because it's muscle memory for most of them. I get tackled. I'm like, by the way, ref, we agree that's a yellow. Now I get a yellow card. If I'm a defender, if I'm a number six, if I'm something yeah. like that, and now I have to be mindful because I got fouled. That happened a few times this weekend. I think that's a ridiculous role, bro. And the the managers, Chavi got a red card for freaking out. It's a passionate sport, bro. Well, what's fourth official. Gary O'Neill got, got booked for freaking out about the penalty shot. Bro, so many managers that I watched this weekend freak out naturally when things happen because you're invested in it. They're you know supposed what this to be is? calm. It's Let just them adding... be upset, bro. Who, fourth official, grow a pair, man. It's, yeah, it's... somebody's going to scream at you because yeah. they're upset. He's not going to burn your house down, bro. It's fine. It, it's an emotional sport. Deal with it. It's right? exactly like, it. Exactly. And just be better. Stop getting stop getting the refs more power. Just be better. Hire better refs. Hmm. I, I don't know if you've seen that video of the uh, the league uh, ref when he was talking to yes. VR and stuff, and he just dealt with it. Like he went back yeah. to the player. He was like fully respectful, just still like explain the situation. I was like, you were right. I didn't see it. That's it. That's what VR yep. is here for. Just be better referees and stop asking for more power because you know what doesn't get used. They don't book players that dive for or that go for simulation like that. That does not exist. Right. And they don't book keepers for taking too long to to start a, a, an attack. Yeah. They don't do any of those things. They don't. When was the last time you saw someone get booked for a foul throw? Hector Beller. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that's the last. When one. he was at Arsenal, all the time, all the time, bro. So you messed that up. You so can't often. just pick and choose. Just be better refs. Apply the law of the game and stop stop fucking around with it. It's, it's perfect yeah. as it is. Just fine. Or as it was. Like, figure it out. Yeah. Anyway, but let's see how many of these, uh, how many do actually exist. Yeah. Speaking you know, of Rafael Varane, book... one of the match performance today, winner. Like <laughs> yeah. it. That's just it. I want to ask you. United played. I know you watched this game. Um, Wolves came to play for most of the game. I would say they were better than they expected. And perhaps that's exactly what I was going to say. Perhaps that caught United off guard because they were thinking, okay, Gary O'Neill's been in charge for 12 hours. Like surely they're not going to have anything prepared or planned here. And Wolves played really, really well for large parts of the game. Unfortunately, almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. And they were not able to score or really trouble Onana that often. That's some late shots. United were not as good as hoped. He did. He definitely did. But a lot of them were at him, right? Like he didn't have to. He wasn't stretched many times. I'd say United were not as good as people probably hoped. Garnacho sucked. 
right? And obviously Hoyland didn't play because he's not fit yet. Genuinely. Right. What do you think of this game? I mean, it's great. You still got the you still got the win against Wolves at home. It ended up being a harder game than you yeah, anticipated, win. but the win was still there. It didn't look great optics wise. I'd say Wolves probably looked better for most of the game. What did you think overall? It worries me with Spurs coming up, right? Like a win's a win, but these kind mm. of scrappy wins, I'm expecting mid-season, right? Like if it's home opener right. against a team that's expected to be in a relegation battle, just go out and beat them. Like just get the 3-0 win, smash them, move them aside, and then move on. Just like manage your fitness levels for the Spurs game next week. Um, How come it wasn't it, that it was, simple? Sorry? How come it wasn't that simple? Because it should I have think, been. I think Wolves imposed themselves in the beginning, and you forget yeah. that there's two games in two two teams in this game um but we didn't really do ourselves any favor by not trying to calm ourselves down and mm. that i don't know i don't know who to blame for that because it looked like these players had never played together before ultimately you moved rashford out of his best position garnacho is a great impact sub i don't think he's ready yet to Nothing be starting more. week in week out yeah and, exactly but genuinely like i know jokes aside and, and everything and recency bias but he is a genuine threat when he comes off the bench because he's yes. direct and he's he so quick and he's rapid and he's always looking for that you know that avenue towards goal so i that's how i want to see him use 13 minutes to go put him on the the opposition is tired just let them deal with with the storm that's going to come at them but right. I, I just I don't think he's the right guy to choose or to to start in games like these. So I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just rustiness because we didn't really have the best of preseasons anyway. Um, but what yeah. what I did see in preseason is that we we had a lot of patterns of play that we were trying. I could tell we were trying stuff. Yeah, the result doesn't matter in preseason, and and ultimately we we lost a few of those games. We we played well in a few of those games, um, but. I'm not here to analyze preseason. What I saw was a few patterns of play and he was trying new things. Like Onana was being more adventurous and that's why he got locked, for example. But um, even even Antony was moving a little bit more. So I think they just need to remember that and it's going to be a process. I'm hoping it gets better within this, uh, as long as the season goes and when Hoyland gets better, he can he can start actually playing as a striker and we can move Rashford back to his preferred position. And I think that's the strongest version of this team. Um, as it currently stands. If we are able to re recruit the players that we seem to be linked with, the great, I would absolutely love that. That would definitely improve our 11 and our backups. Um, but as of it, as of right now, this game did not fill me with much confidence going into Spurs next week. However, I did tell you guys something that I wouldn't be surprised if Spurs was an easier game because Spurs is going to come out to play and we expect mm. Spurs to come out to play. And we're going away from home. I think that one we can play on transition. Away from home against the big six side, that you expect to come out and play because they they have something to prove now. They want to be the I'm not just a Harry Kane team. Um, you can right. you can get away playing again on the transition there, and we've seen Rashford hurts them many times before. So I oh, wouldn't and they be surprised. Don't have their best player, right? Like exactly. they haven't filled those boots yet either. Exactly, and and I think the only signing they made was Mason Mount. So I don't think their midfield is strong enough to to make us worried about James the Madison. balance. You signed Mason Mount. Did we? Okay, I was gonna get to say Mason Mount, James Madison. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm not worried playing Mason Mount in that right, midfield right, right. about yeah. balance because the only midfielder that that they have that they signed was James Madison, and yeah. the their balance is not powerful enough to overthrow our balance because for me at the moment that midfield is too creative. 
And I think that mm -hmm. we need a destroyer in there for going away at Anfield and going away at, at the Etihad or even just against a Brighton, for example, where you know the team's going to come at you and I think they're going to fight in the midfield. I don't think yeah. the Casemiro Mount Bruno midfield is is balanced enough to handle that as of yet. But if we sign Amrabat, amazing. That would be um, that would be great. But as of right now, wouldn't be surprised if the Spurs game was a little bit easier. But today wasn't wasn't the best. However, we got the result, and the results all you, all I care about at the moment. Oh, exactly. Yeah, three points is better than one, right? Even like you'd rather have three points on a bad performance yeah. than one or zero on a good performance. It'll become um, more apparent how this how this plays in, right? Like if this continues, yeah. then then it's not just a we're rusty and and we got better. But if if it doesn't, or sorry, if it does, then you go. You know what? For no one's gonna remember this twenty games from now if we just no. keep playing better. Yeah, I agree. I I think that. Um, I'm interested to see what happens in the Spurs game because I think you're right. They probably do have a different point to prove without Kane there, but they're worse without Kane there. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, maybe the team will be going after you a little bit more. I, I don't know if, I mean, I could see them starting the season with two draws, to be honest. That wouldn't necessarily surprise me. It surprised me, though, at times that it felt like United were being standoffish and trying to hit Wolves in transition. I'm like, dude, what you, go, go take over this game. I get the ball off them. The fact that yeah. Cunha was able to run 30, 40 yards at times, at, unchallenged, team, yeah. just through gaps in the space. And largely it's because Mount was like hanging out with Garnacho. I think they were having the thumb war at one point. Where yeah. the, it's like, hey, you're both occupying the same space here. You got to drop back into this position yeah. here. I think you're right. Having more midfield presence in the form, to, a form of somebody like Amrabat, I think is more beneficial for United when they play different opposition. For today, you'd think that against a relegation projected side and whether or not you think Wolves are there, largely Wolves are touted to be there. You'd think that's when you can play two creative yeah. eights because you'll hold the ball and break them down. But Wolves came to play. I took you by surprise. I'd, Spurs suck, but maybe don't underestimate them for next week. I would imagine Ten Hag will have something more interesting prepared. I wonder how long Leach is going to be out for now. That if concerns he's gonna miss me. that game. That will be a big deal because he's you know five foot nothing, but definitely your best defender. So let's see how it goes, bro. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I hope it's just a niggle, right? I hope it's not just yeah. a recreation of the injury that kept him out for the rest of the season last year. Right. Um. But he he's looked fit throughout, uh, you know, preseason. I hope it's not just a repeat of that. I hope it's just a you know he felt a strain and they were trying to protect him. He was like, no, let's not take risks yeah. with this guy since we're still trying to sell uh, Harry Maguire and and we don't want to mess up that deal with West Ham. But um, mm -hmm. honestly, I've been I've been I've liked that we've sold a lot of players this season. Like we've we've gotten rid of some of them, mm. and and we more seem to be linked. Like Fred's gone, Maguire has gone. In principle, he just needs to agree personal terms. Um, Bai has an agreement with Saudi Arabia, I think. Alex Tell has left. Um, Ilanga right. left. We managed to recoup, recoup money on uh, on Kovar, and also add like a buyback clause. Who went for nine million to Xabi Alonso in in uh, Leverkusen, um, and I think we also got rid of. Are getting rid of Dean Henderson potentially also amazing green, mm. but that's besides the point. But, um, yeah. yeah, like we've done well enough to try to clear the books a little bit, but we still need some more pieces in the puzzle. Yeah, you're gonna need bodies because you're gonna play yeah. a lot of games, and Bruno's totally. gonna play a lot of games. So, let's see, let's see how the prem season works out, bro. This was the first weekend of we, we got to see every club. I think that uh, the best analysis will come at the end of August when everybody's transfer was done and we can really assess the landscape. We might have to redo our prem table at that point because yeah. moves are coming here. Um, the last thing I want to talk about here, and we don't have to go in depth because I'm, I'm not sure if you watch any of these games, but PSG, Barca were both lackluster to the point where 
I think PSG kind of forgot that just having exciting young prospects who Luis Campos knows doesn't mean that they will all Hmm. come together and, you know, deliver. I think their midfield three is really, really smart for how they want to build because it age profile wise, like everything kind of worked out for them. It was Ugarte, Vitinha and Zaire Emery, which I think is really, really promising today. They loaned, uh, I think they sold Paredes and loaned Renato Sanchez. So two to Roma. They still have uh, Soler there. They still have Fabian Ruiz there who are going to alternate in the midfield. We don't know what's happening with Verratti, right? Because he might be on his way to Saudi yeah. Arabia as well. Enrique Ball was pretty much what we expected it to be. I'm a little bit surprised that uh, Kang In Lee, who came from Mallorca, but was a very good player. He was actually one of the players who I wanted to mention in the Ready for the Next Step episode. I had his name still in my notes on the list. But I didn't because I thought, who's going to know about Kang and Lee at Mallorca? I was like, I, I can wait until next year and deliver that name then when he has another <laughs> no, <he's> year. <laughs> and I missed the window. I'm like, shit, he went to PSG. Damn it. I was like, guys, I, okay. I, I promise. Like, check, the, check the dates on my notes. Same thing with Arda Guler. I'm like, bro, I have this dude's name in here for some yeah, time. Yeah. And I thought, I ah, still got time. Gonzalo Ramos, not, I mean, listen, the team's still new. It's still young. They have to, they have to figure out their chemistry and learn to play together. They did seem to lack firepower, but that makes sense because what have we been used to seeing at PSG? Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe. We're pretty used to seeing them be lackluster come the latter stages of the Champions League when they get dumped out, but run through opposition locally. This might be a good opportunity for them to kind of, you know, get their boots under them, grow the brand, get these players to know each other and watch them take levels on. But it wouldn't surprise me. It didn't surprise me that the next day they were like, yeah, we got to reinstate Mbappe here. Even if he leaves for free, like we can't, we can't not yeah. have Kylian Mbappe in the squad. He's the best one and Literally. we need him to score goals, which is absolutely the case. Chavi was so upset with how the game went. He said, it doesn't surprise thought, me no one watches pause, La Liga. Pause, before you, go to, before you go to La Liga and Chavi, I thought this was the biggest buildup to Neymar and it just never came. But Neymar is going to Saudi Arabia now. Oh, yeah. Neymar Oops. got the here we go to El Hilal. You thought I was just going to let that slide? I was just going to let that slide. You're right. Yes, I guess we do have to talk about that as well. Yes, of course. I feel we like do. I mentioned that six weeks ago when Joe and I did the episode about Saudi Arabia because I said Neymar was linked then. Now I yeah, guess it's fine. But now he's fine. gone. I, for me, this was a long time coming. You're right. I shouldn't have glossed over that. You're absolutely right. Neymar's gone to Saudi Arabia. To be honest, I'm kind of not shocked by it. I probably five weeks ago I would have been when it was when it was all kind of going down. The fact that Messi's left, and I said Neymar's going to go to Saudi Arabia all that time ago, and now he did. I'm just like, yeah, like this. It, this has it, been like the fact that happen. we expected it is different than than the fact that it happened, right? Because they first came for Mbappe, and Mbappe yeah. was like, "Bro, I'm not coming for 700 million. Like, I, I yeah. don't care what you're trying to do, but I'm not coming. Like, I'm staying in Europe." And they shifted gears, and they went, "Okay, Neymar, how's how's it going, bro?" Yeah, and they said, "We'll give you a third of that," and he's like, "Chilean's not better than me. I want all the money." <laughs> And then he's like, all right, fine, I'll take it. I and, dude, turtles too. <laughs> I, I'm not, dude, I'm not surprised. Like everything that Saudi Arabia is doing right now, when you look at what they had already done, I think the shock factor is kind of gone for me. At this point, yeah. I'm more thinking, oh my God, like don't come back for Bernardo. Like don't come for De Bruyne. Don't come for Holland. Like don't come for the players who I actually want to stay in Europe. Yeah, they should, to be honest. But this, any, who else can they do? Like, What's going to move the needle? If Mbappe went, yeah, you're right. That would have been like, holy crap. Are you serious? But every other player at this point that they're getting, I'm kind of like, yeah, like I could see it. But it's just that it's the new norm. They've entered the market and everybody's subject to go get that Saudi money. It yeah, is a little shocking. Like Ruben Neves as it going, it's going to be 
that's exactly it. Yeah. As it sinks in, I think you're right. I think as we start to notice the absence of Neymar during the months we're expecting to see him, we're going to be like, yeah, in March, we're going to be just fine. What happened? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like for in the March, next six months, like, oh, we're going to okay, be like, where's Neymar, more. bro? Like he's not going to win the Ballon d'Or. He's resided to that now. He's not going to win the Ballon d'Or. The Neymar Ballon d'Or thing is done now. That's done. Because there's just no way. But he only, we only see him for six months anyway. It just, you're right. We're not going to see him now for the next six months. Who's going to get 17 goal involvements in the first three games, bro? Outrageous. Maybe he'll do that there. I think the next move <laughs> might be like Paul Pogba or something. And to be honest, they should. Like, yeah, they should just start to clean he's up. He's Muslim. Just get go. everybody. Like he's, uh, it's, oh. it's gonna life is gonna be better than in Turin. Just go. Probably, bro. Especially with the yeah. baller squad that they're gonna. He's gonna play. Like, oh, he can it's play gonna be like an all star game. They're the gonna play like it's an all star game. To play forever. We know when he was just yeah. super casual in a friendly and that kind of stuff. That's how yeah. he can play competitively. He never has to get out of the first gear. And he's gonna be the yeah. greatest player in Saudi Arabia. You're right. I think that's exactly making a hundred million a year. Yeah, with familiar faces around him. He's not going to be the best player in Saudi Arabia playing alongside, you know, Ahmed Hegazi. He's going to be playing yeah. around <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo, Sadio Mane, Neymar, Firmino, everybody. Ruben Neves. Dude, Al-Halal's project is pretty freaking sick. Al-Halal, like, that's my... Yeah, that, I think that's got to be all of our Joe team. Said, yeah, I know you and Joe said that's that's our team, but that that's, yeah, I'm, I'm coming in on that too. Because when I listened to that in the car, I was like, yep, same, be. sign me up. Dude, the fact and that they have straight like... Up. Bro, Ruben Neves... And Sergey Milikovic Savage, and now Neymar. I don't care who. That's the sickest thing in the entire world, bro. That's so damn cool. I think they also I, have I, Odion Igalo, my boy. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. It's it's done. It's written for you. Firepower. I can't believe that that's where we're at. But hey, it is what it yeah. is. Like the, the Neymar transfer happened. Maybe we'll recap all of the Saudi business and then rank it again at the end of the transfer window. But I don't know what the Saudi window is. I don't know if they're even allowed to do any no of this. I does it close on September 1st? Do they have is it open, you know, 12 months a year for them? I don't know. I don't know. know. And they they're not even playing league at the moment. They were playing like an Arab Cup competition, which looks like a World Cup. And uh yeah, and Cristiano and, and Mane <clears throat> won. <clears throat> Damn freaking straight. Not to mention Benzema's uh, also there. Jesus. Yeah, there's a lot of quality over there. And hey, apparently the zone has the rights to I think three Saudi teams. Al Halal. I'm um, guessing it's Al Hilal, El Nasr, and El Etihad. I think that's exactly <laughs> yeah. it, bro. Yeah, I think that's the one because they're like, yo, we got to have these these players seen. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. I didn't get to see any of it this weekend. You get like the I rights said, for I Cristiano, Benzema, and Neymar, and then you're good to go. That's it. That's all you need to see. That's all you need, bro. It is feeling like an all star game over there, is it not? Like the fact it, that you have totally, all these players, you never thought you'd to see embrace, together. They need to embrace the MLS all star game and just like yeah. those American style competitions. Like, you know, how the NBA has their dunk competition and stuff. They need to yeah. embrace that kind of stuff and just, just live it up. Just keep, uh, keep showing up on our, on our social media platforms right. and then people will start watching. I agree. I actually agree hundred percent. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Sorry I, to derail I, you from Chavi and La Liga, but like we were no, on the topic totally, of PSG yeah. and I was Dude, like, I was you're building up to this name on news and, and it never came. <laughs> you're right. I didn't, I, I, I didn't mention him, but I should have. I did. It's because I was so excited to talk about how Barca were lackluster. I have it in my notes here. Chavi said, yeah. it doesn't surprise me no one watches our league. Do you understand how funny That's that is, so bro? bad. Like, dude, when he Chavi. was playing, he was the most watched league in the world at the height of his career. And now yeah. it's like, yep, the, <laughs> we welcome the fan in the stadium. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. And to be honest, I watched that game yesterday against Getafe. Part of it was like Getafe making it boring. Part of it is that Barca were... Listen, it was 10 v 10, right? Because Rafinha got sent off and then Hatafe had a player sent off and then Xavi got sent off. 
it was but it wasn't that feisty to be honest it was just like stupid reds yeah. and you're looking at it you're going okay That's but no one can take advantage fans, by the way yeah <laughs> stupid reds. sorry it's exactly it. stupid reds <laughs> I wanted to be enthralled by what Barca were going to do and seeing Oriol Romeo fill the boots of mm. Busquets and seeing Gundo step into the, the title team. defense. But to be honest, Barca's strategy was basically to add a little bit more experience to offset the fact that they're not going to have very young, uh, sorry, very, like players in their prime throughout the team. They're going to have very young ones. And what that resulted is just disconnecting the team. We were just like, these yeah. guys are old and they're playing the ball well. And then the young kids are just flaring about, not really doing with energy what they're expected to. And then I just watched the Madrid game and all I could, all I kept thinking of is, by the way, this is so cool what they've done. Now they're playing narrow. So they're playing four, three, one, two mm. with the midfield four as uh, my boy Camavinga as the left center mid, yeah. Chuameni, Valverde, and then Bellingham at the 10. That's insane. Do you know who is not in the team anymore, Mina? Cruz and Modric. Cruz and Modric, bro. Like, what are we doing? This is crazy. I, I can't believe that Echelati is like, yeah, bro, it's the changing of the guard. It's time. We're changing it. You guys are going to help. Both of those dudes need to stay because it's going to be a long season and they're going to have they to play help up top Vinny and Rodrigo. Vinny. Yeah, Vinny and Rodrigo, exactly. They're like, who needs a striker? That'll be Mbappe and. and yeah, sorry, Ben. Sorry, Ben's like, no, but bro, the fact that Bellingham is now like, okay, I guess I'm he's the guy now. Benzema, like, I have to just drift into the Bellingham's box and get all these false nine goals. years are upon us, guys, because until they sign Mbappe, that's his role. That's his role. I, it's kind of unbelievable. I don't know that Madrid are better for it right now than they were last season. In fact, I would argue they're not, but. Bellingham is now a steal. I've now changed yeah. the order for the 100 million ranking that we did. <laughs> with Caicedo going as expensive as he is and with all these transfers that are happening that are all just over 100 mil, these are pounds that we're talking about. Benzema went for 100 million euros, yeah. which means apparently that's a steal. In today's market, look at the player that Bellingham is. I love Moises Caicedo. I rate him to no end and I pitched the whole argument about why it's a huge asset for Chelsea. He's not the player Jude Bellingham is. No. Jude Bellingham went for sign what 50 million euros less if you're gonna do the euro equivalent. Yeah, 50 so. million ish, 40, 40 million euros less than Moises Caicedo. That's a big Call deal. 40. So good for Madrid. Yeah. They figured it out. Bro, that's the show. I don't have any more anything else. I, I'm yeah, I actually have a point to bring up, and I know we, we spoke we spoke a lot, but it's kind of a relevant and not relevant at the same time. I want to talk about the ownership situation happening in football because Ryan Reynolds and Rob Beckham and he changed the scene for everyone because dude perfect now now own Burnley and they put out a video like Burnley were going to win the league this year and it got me super excited and I'm not even a Burnley fan right. but I'm I'm excited. Backed by Vincent Company. <laughs> yeah, Michael B. Jordan watches and posts about his team losing in the background yeah. <laughs> with a teacup because he his PR realize. team told him to do that. Yep, and uh, and who else? We've got Robin Ryan, obviously, and someone someone else owns a a crazy team. Oh, um, Tom Russell Brady. Westbrook owns Leeds. Yeah, Tom by the Brady way, owns Birmingham. Yeah, or is it JJ Watt owns Burnley with uh with Dude Perfect? This is just what's going on here, guys. Is that not the dream? Yeah, like, the fact that Chelsea think about this—they bought everybody they bought, but they also bought the club of Strasbourg in Ligue 1 for sixty mil. <laughs> so in theory, if they're in trouble, they could just loan eleven players, players yeah. to Strasbourg, and then you know what? Strasbourg might win that league too. They they might win Liga. That's hilarious. 
So it's it's very it's not even how city do the the city footballing academy because the CFG the city football group because yeah. that's continental and it's mostly loans and different things. but they're not sending out like blockbuster superstars to different leagues. Chelsea would just basically go, yeah, well let's just send them up. Like who cares? What's the difference? We'll send whoever we want. We bought the whole club for sixty mil. So if you're a billionaire or you have hundreds of millions, buy Why the not? football club. Who cares? Yeah. Why not? It'd be fun. Because for them, that's what it is, bro. It's becoming where it's just, it's fun. Why not? There's so much money to be made here that we're yeah. going to buy the club. We'll take a loss, but our net worth will grow so much. Because you know how much Burnley probably went for? Like 200 million, maybe. If that. I think so, yeah. even less. You know what I mean? They're yeah. like, bro, let's buy it for 98 million. We'll put an offer on the table. And Burnley's always like, you're going to give me 98 mil for Burnley? Done. I'll bite your hand off. <laughs> Absolutely. They went for less I'm than Caicedo. It literally <laughs> they bought Burnley. You can have Burnley Football Club or not buy Kaisen. Yep, exactly. Oh my god, it's just ridiculous. But bro, that's that's the era we live in now. It's this whole sport is changing in front of our eyes here. Because yeah, and we thought like, it was changing when Beckham, Ronaldo, like Brazilian Ronaldo, and like Patrice Evra owns a team in Portugal. Did you hear about that? Nobody knows about these yeah. guys nope. owning football clubs, but nope. the fact <laughs> but it's the social media influencers that are buying football clubs and we're just like wow this is crazy bro joe rogan's gonna buy somebody next yeah joe rogan he's gonna buy, a yeah, I think so. he's gonna buy i don't even know who these are but Austin, I, I got a you're gonna buy like, a, yeah i got to buy some, some team in texas probably just yeah. gonna do that yeah i got a soccer team yeah and then he'll walk uh, out in, in the middle of the in the middle of the pitch with dave Chappelle, just making a guest appearance he's <laughs> gonna sell mad tickets every time exactly it anyway bro let's hey you know what soon enough ronaldo will own wolverhampton and it will uh, change the name. <laughs> two wolves and it will yeah, just fully be a Portuguese club. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Anyway, bro, All we've right, been recording man. for a long ass time. Yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. These are the biggest stories from EPL Match Week One. It goes far beyond just the prem. There's so many things that there's transfers that the last Football's all back, this guys, happened in the last four days, bro. This isn't even the yeah. match week one. It's even since the last episode. This is just the last four days. God, where are we gonna be a week from now? I don't know. So Can let's see. Too? I still have I still have so many episodes that I have like styles for that I want us right. to do. But I'm like, when are we going to fit them in? Because all this stuff happened. We have to react to it. Mm-hmm. What I know for sure is at the end of the transfer, we have to do our predicting everything for this season, which is really predicting it until December when we do for the, for the when rest we of do the it, calendar. When we do it again. Then we, yeah. Yeah, then we no, have but to that's a staple in the, in the TJW calendar, so we have to do it. Absolutely it is, bro. Can't wait. Guys, we hope you enjoyed episode number 206 of the Jersey Wall Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Nathan Santos. With me, I had Mina. We chatted for a long-ass time. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Brother, it was great. Yeah, I loved it. Lots of fun, guys. Find our socials in the link in the description. You can find all TJW content there. We love you. We appreciate you. And we thank you, as always, for listening. We'll see you next time right here on the Jersey Wall Podcast.